This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Schiffer Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. We'll need patience against the Saints. Yes, it's the warm-up episode 125. It's your host, Brady Frost. Tom Bradshaw doesn't join me this week, but the second tier's Justin Peach does. Justin, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, quite chippy. Well rested after the international break, but you know how they go, a bit boring, so it's good to get uh, good to get into it. Good to get into it. You did call me Tom there rather than Brady, so um, maybe you're not as well rested as you think. Tom, I, just, I don't know why I called you Tom. I don't, Tom Brady, maybe it's that. Maybe. Yeah, handsome, handsome US-based athlete. I think I'd take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's you're missing Tom, like the listeners. It's fine, Jeff. I mean, how many times have we had you on this pod? You know. Yeah, should know by now. Should know by now. No, it's all right. To be honest, I prefer that. I get called Brad a lot, which annoys me. I don't. Not that people want to hear about email chat, but like it annoys me when my name's in the signature and you still get my name wrong. Um, <laughs> I I get yeah I get called Jason a lot Uh, I had an ex-girlfriend whose grandparents called me Jason for the four years I was with with her um and I just sort of stuck with it and if anyone calls me Jason I don't correct them I'm just like yeah I'm Jason okay fair just accept it Okay, maybe I need to lighten up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's um, let's talk about this. I don't really want to. I've got to be honest. Um, I was doing the preview for this and uh, my notes, and yeah, it's not great. So I'll, I'll read it out, and you can listeners can probably understand why. Um, so Southampton they travel to the John Smith Stadium after the national break, and ahead of this one, they are fourth in the table, and they've not lost in their last eight games. Uh, they have three wins in a row in the league. And they haven't lost away since a 2-1 defeat to Middlesbrough in September. Um, Justin, do you see Huddersfield getting a result out of this game at all? Yeah, I mean, I I can put a Huddersfield town hat on and be as optimistic as I possibly can. But if I'm going for a neutral perspective, Southampton are a very decent outfit away, probably better away than they are at home. It's going to be be an uphill battle against them. And I mean, if you'd have played them mid-September, I'd have banked on Huddersfield winning 3-0. Because Southampton were terrible, 
Um, but they have really started to shore themselves up and they've started to navigate through the the issues they were facing earlier on in the season. And I think that's the, the key thing here. And it's probably coming at the wrong time for for Darren Moore and Huddersfield, given the, the current run of form. But you've, they've had two weeks to work on things. They've had two weeks to work on team shape and how Darren Moore wants to, to play and getting players back who have been injured. So there's optimism there, I guess. There's There's some positives to look at. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's ask. I, I suppose I've been asking everyone this because um, obviously the situation Darren Moore's come into, he wouldn't have known about the injuries. It, the Huddersfield Town fans were saying it wasn't particularly a good squad anyway when Neil was in charge. What have you, um, as a as a neutral, what have you made to Darren Moore's start to life as Huddersfield Town manager? It's been disappointing, but Darren Moore, if you go back to a Sheffield Wednesday spell, they were up and down under him then. Again, that was a short squad. It wasn't particularly blessed with depth or talent. This Huddersfield side isn't blessed with depth or talent. You're having to rely on young players quite often. I mean, Keane Harrett you know, might have plenty of endeavour and get the odd goal here and there, but at the end of the day, he was playing League 2 football this time last season. Josh Curran was playing League 1 football this time last season. It takes a special manager to to get the quality out of those players. Neil Warnock is a special manager. I think Darren Moore was the right appointment and given the right tools, I think he can be a success. But this period that he's got to manage um, is a difficult one. It's a tricky one. And if he can keep getting results and keep Huddersfield within a, a, you know, a decent points distance away from the bottom three, or if they drop into the bottom three, at least you know being within a, a swing of a punch uh, from the teams above them, then I think that's a, a decent enough um, a decent enough sort of stint. And then you, you get to recruit in January. I just think... At the minute, the squad's short of quality, short of experience in certain areas. And I think that's showing. I don't think that's down to Darren Moore. I think that's down to a lack of planning, a, um, a I said, not, not poorly time takeover, because I don't think it's the right word, but certainly a takeover that took longer than it than the club needed it to. And I think that's what's, what it's down to, is just that time in the summer that they lost to recruit um, and obviously have a plan in place in terms of you know, background scenes and whatnot. So, yeah, a lot of problems sort of stem from the summer as opposed to it being Darren Moore. Mm, definitely. And I suppose because you've you've covered, obviously on the second tier, you've covered Huddersfield for, for a few years now. And I suppose this has kind of been what we've been like bar the Carlos Corbrand season. So what do you think Huddersfield need to, to look at in January? You talk about quality. Where do you think they need to, to look for in terms of position? Yes, it's, it's a, a really poorly balanced squad, if I'm being honest. And there's a lot of players underperforming. Look at Lee Nichols. He hasn't, I mean, he was the best goalkeeper um, or one of the best goalkeepers last season. Same again the season before that. Not looked anywhere near that quality. Matty Pearson, who is a favourite of mine, hasn't looked anywhere near his best this season. Um, but I still think that back three of of, of Helic, Pearson, whether it be Nakayama, um, or anybody else. I think that's a solid, solid enough back line. I think there's a lack of depth and quality at wing backs. If you're going to play with wing backs, they need to be really good options. Tom Edwards, was it against Norwich? He had an absolute nightmare. I can't, I can't remember the team it was. I was there. <laughs> yeah. And he's not, he's not played much championship football in his entire career. He was at, I think he was at Barnsley last season, New York Red Bulls as well. So is he a championship player? I don't think he is. Um, might be a good squad option or a, or a good backup option, but certainly not as a starter. And then you're looking in the uh, the final third. There's so little quality in there. Danny Ward, not made too many appearances this season. He's been injured. Again, lacking quality. Um, Sorbo Thomas hasn't been as productive as he needs to be in terms of creating chances for the final third. There's just, it's bereft of quality. It's 
a lack of experience in certain players' uh, um, positions. And I just think probably six or seven players short from being a lower mid-table championship side, let alone a championship side, which I think is a scary thought. I'm not going to pin that on Darren Moore or Neil Warnock. It's just a situation in the hand that's been been handed to, to the club. It's stemmed from a lack of transition from the core brand years to, to now. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I, I you know, most people are going to say oh, a couple, um, but I think you're right, six or seven. You basically went through every every position in the team. Um, yeah. Yes, it's uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, um, maybe let's uh, let's distract us and come back to um, come back to Southampton because Tom he wasn't here. Uh, but panic not, dear listeners. He did have time to do a history corner. Um, he did it this morning. I got it through at about seven o two, I think. And here he is running for the train and doing his history corner. Tom's history corner. Right. Hi, Brady. Justin, sorry I couldn't be there with you today. Um, you're getting a on the move history corner. So, history corner Huddersfield Town versus Southampton only met each other 29 times in their history. And Town have won 11 of those meetings, drawn five, and lost 13. So, Southampton edge the uh, competition there, and I can't see us clawing back those two wins to get level if I'm honest this season um, so the first meeting came in 1952 where Town won the game 2-0 Tommy Kavanagh and Jimmy Glazard were the goals for Town it was Town's first season back in the second tier since 1920 so after years of being one of the country's stapled top tier teams Town dropped down but bounced back at first attempt as Andy beat his side, won promotion, um, coming second, just two points behind Sheffield United. The last game these two sides played was as recent as January 2020, where Town suffered a pretty drab 2-0 defeat away to Southampton in the FA Cup during the Cowley regime. Um, Town haven't recorded a win versus Southampton for over 10 years now. They're unbeaten in their last six meetings. Um, the Saints' last defeat to Town was a 2-0 League One defeat at the hands of Town, who finished third that season, just five points behind Southampton, who finished second. Goals from Pilkington and Good Johnson. Players who have played for both, well, there's a few. Huddersfield, Huddersfield-born Simon Charlton made over 100 appearances for Town before Saints bought him for a quarter of a million back in 1993. He went on to make over 100 appearances for them in the Premier League. Um, Jason Punchin, possibly Town's worst ever signing, famously needed a shit mid-match for Southampton back in 2013. Um, Yeovil-born Martin Craney started his playing career at Southampton, making just 16 appearances for them. The centre-back will go down in town history as a key member of that promotion-winning side. And Town signed Craig Maskell from Southampton back in 1988, where he became a Town fan favourite, having scoring, having a scoring average of basically a goal every two games for Town. And then he later rejoined Southampton in 1994. Um, right, I love you and leave you. Can you two think of any others? Any others who have played for both? Up the Town, see you soon. 
Okay. So um, yeah, for those who doubt Tom's commitment, he will he will uh, get that in. Um, this is not the first time Tom's done a recording on the train. He also famously once did a podcast in the Weatherspoons in the train station at six in the morning. So um, <laughs> it's a good one. Um, yeah, they talked about play for both. I can't think of many players who have played for Huddersfield and Southampton who Tom has listed, and I'm not going to put Justin on the spot there because I haven't told him about that. So um, I will. We will talk about uh, Southampton though, Justin, because. What can you tell us about Southampton and the job Russell Martin's doing? You mentioned earlier how they were a bit slow to start the season, but they seem to be kind of kicking into gear now. Yeah, I know. I took a lot of flack, inevitably, as everybody who's aware of the second podcast, we will take a lot of flack, but we're honest. I took a lot of flack early on in the season, first four games, suggesting that the form wasn't um, sustainable and it wasn't. They started to lose games considerably, started to get hammered. Um, and that was a that was a real concern because Russell Martin wasn't addressing the key areas that needed addressing. They were weak in midfield, they were poorly organised out of possession, um, and they were getting done very quickly on the transitions. Um, the teams were counter counter attacking them with 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 quite a bit of ease. And we're going back to sort of the Plymouth even Sheffield Wednesday had a bit of fun in that first game of the season, um, sort of midway through the second half. So there, there were real concerns. That's been addressed slowly, and and sure they're not the finished article yet, which again is a scary thing because they are putting teams to bed and I don't think Huddersfield fans will want to hear me say that not finished our article yet because obviously the game coming up this weekend um but there's a lot of there's a lot of good about them now they've got players who are finding their feet in the in the system Will Smallbones a particular favorite of mine because of how he comes deep from the ball you know if you're a real sort of possession purist you'll love the way they set up I'm not that I'm a Neil Warnock guy. I love fast, direct football. Get it into the big man sort of thing. Um, but you can appreciate and respect the the complexity in which Russell Martin plays out. Sure, they 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 still do need to improve and and convert the possession they have in the final third into good goal scoring chances, and then putting those chances away. And when they do that, um, they might be able to compete into the top two. But depends whether or not they're they're, they're too far away. But for me, Huddersfield, uh, sorry Southampton are. Yeah, certainly one of the best sides in the division at keeping ball. I don't think they're the best, but they're they're on their way up. And as I say, they've got players in every single position that'll hurt you. You've got Ryan Manning at left back, Kyle Walker Peters going forward is a supremely talented player. Will Smallbone will dictate possession. Adam Armstrong is is getting in really good areas. It's just it's just a side full of quality. But there is a way of playing against him. You play a low block, Rotherham found it. You play a low block uh, block, you frustrate them, Preston as well, and you get you take your chances. You can come away with a you can come away with a result. Yeah, I I remember um, last season. I think it's the mo- one of the most boring games I've ever been to. Um, but it was it was his Swansea side. It was the last game before the World Cup break, um, and it was nil nil. And I took my uh, my girlfriend's dad, who's not a big football fan. He was basically humouring me, and it was nil nil. And they had I can't I can't remember the possession stats, but it felt like they had the ball for the entire game, and we just you know sat in that low block as you say, and li- literally nothing happened. Like nothing happened, um, and I think it's the most boring game I've I've ever been to, really. Or certainly the you know maybe recently bias at play there, but is the difference with between like Martin's Swansea side and his Southampton side? Is he just he's got those better quality players? So like you say, they do have players who can hurt you and, and convert those chances. Yeah, there isn't a, a significant difference. They are quite similar. They are better quality players as well. But I think Russell Martin's tried to address more so the things out of possession that used to catch him quite quite a lot at Swansea in, in getting done on the counter very quickly. 
Um, don't get me wrong, they I've said it already, they're not the finished article. They do still have quite a f- you know, quite a long way to go. Um, I think until they hit their peak under Russell Martin. But I think if if we were to label sort of things that they they do need to address, it's it's um, being a little bit more potent in the in the final third. It's when they get the ball in the um, in and around the area, can they can they pick off a shot or do they pick off one pass too many? We know Russell Martin's systems at Swans from Swansea last year. There was a bit of a shyness, I think, to to really penetrate a team. Um, they started to address that, but mainly because I think they've got the place to do it. You've got Adam Armstrong there, who is he, he does a shot, doesn't he? He's, I think when he um, when he was at Blackburn and finished with twenty plus goals, he had one of the worst goal conversion rates in the league, just because he would sh- shoot seven or eight times um, in a game. Um, and certainly, sure, there's a little bit of growth there, and he's he's looking better and uh, you know his decision making. Um, but yeah, again, if you yeah if you label label certain disadvantages, it's it's that it's that um, sort of split decision making that does let them down sometimes. But um, they have improved that as the season has gone on already. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do think this is a difficult test for Huddersfield. Um, and thanks, Justin, for giving us an insight on Southampton. Um, it is time for the fan phoning now. Tom, again, still still doing work in the background. He spoke to Glenn uh, from Saints FC earlier in the week to uh, find out what they had to say, and here's their conversation. Hello, this is Tom Bradshaw, and you're listening to the fan phoning. Hello, caller. Tell us about your team. Hey, Glenn. Thank you for joining us. Um, let us know how Southampton fared last season. Saints last season were absolutely shocking, as you can tell by our um, final finishing position, about 15 points behind anybody. Um, we wrote the book on how to get relegated. Uh, three managers in a season, each one being progressively worse than the one before. Um Diabolical transfer window when we we panic spent and brought in a load of rubbish that was um, not suitable for the uh, manager that we were about to appoint. We just did everything wrong that you could possibly do wrong. Um, It's not really relevant to this season because this season is obviously a completely uh, clean slate with a new manager in a new division. But um, yeah, anyone who appoints Nathan Jones... Um, and then replaces him with someone even worse in Ruben Sellers, um, deserves all they get. So we, uh, we quite frankly, deserve to be relegated. And we knew we were going down pretty much since the January. Sounds like a bad season last season. But this season, things are looking up already. Tell us a bit about that so far. Season so far, uh, I absolutely can't complain about where we are uh, in terms of the points we've got and the position we are on the league table. We had a lot of turmoil in the summer with uh, a lot of players leaving, including quite a few that you wouldn't have wanted to lose, like uh, James Ward-Prowse, of course. Um, and we've had to bring in replacements. We're trying to implement a new possession-heavy style of football, having uh, basically played pressing football without the ball mainly for the last three years. Um, so it, it's all new. Um, we had a decent start, three wins and a draw in the first four games. Then we hit the hit the buffers and lost four in a row. And then we had a very pivotal game against Leeds where obviously five defeats in a row wouldn't have been wouldn't have been great, but uh we tore into them, scored three in the first half. And ever since then we've uh, we we're now on an eight game run where we've won six and drawn two. Um the team seems to have a lot of spirit about it. 
And the the fact that we're sort of getting 75% possession in most games means that we do tire the opposition out quite a lot. And as a result, we're scoring quite a few goals in the uh, sort of 93rd minute plus. So uh, all good so far, uh, but we just got to keep it going uh, to, you know, we've got aspirations of getting promoted uh, back to the Premier League this year. So um, we can't afford to lose uh, too many more and just have to keep this run going. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting fight, the places for promotion this season. There's some very good teams in there, so looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Um, which players do you think are going to be key to your success this season? Uh, the standout player for me um, overall is probably Taylor Harwood-Bellis. Um, I have no idea what he's doing playing in the Championship. I'm just very grateful that uh, that we've got him, uh, thanks to our connections uh, with Manchester City, with uh, Jason Wilcox having joined as our um, director of football. Um, he's he's an outstanding player, 21 years old. He's a he's a proper leader. Um, you don't often get central defenders of that young age being as good as he is. So um, we've got an option to buy him as long as we get promoted. So that's as good a reason to uh, hope to get back to the uh, the land of VAR as um, as uh, quickly as we possibly can. He overall has been the outstanding player. In terms of threats to Huddersfield, uh, you've got to look at Adam Armstrong, really, who who is a strange player in that he'll do nothing for 85 minutes and then he'll pop up and score a goal or pull an assist out from somewhere. So, uh, yeah, those are the uh, the main two men this season so far. Right, well, you're away to us on Saturday, aren't you? So tell us a bit about how the team has been performing away from home so far this season. Away from home, we've been pretty good this year. We had uh, a disaster at Sunderland where everything went wrong and we lost 5-0. And we had a poor performance against Middlesbrough when we lost 2-1, having led. Uh, but other than that, we've been uh, we've been pretty good. We've had wins at Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth, uh, both with late goals. Um, tough win at Stoke, which proved that we weren't just Premier League nice boys who were going to gonna struggle when uh, when it got tough. So we did well to win up there. Uh, another last-minute winner at Hull. Last-minute equaliser from our goalkeeper at Preston. And a last-minute winner at Millwall. So we're a team that, as I said earlier, we, we keep going to the end. Um, and quite often we frustrate the home crowd because we have a lot of the ball. And that seems to, um, that seems to help us as well. So uh, I'm sure that the... Um, the game against Huddersfield will see no change to the approach and we will try and uh, keep the ball as best we can and uh, try and tie you out. Uh, brilliant to hear. I'm really looking forward uh, to this game. <laughs> um, all right, finally, enlighten me. Make me even more excited for what's to come. What is your score prediction for Saturday, mate? I try and be realistic with my predictions, uh, which is why I always get them wrong. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely hopeless at predicting um, final scores. I can usually be fairly accurate with uh, win or loss, but uh, but correct scores, no. But um, I'll have a go. And Saints haven't been great at keeping clean sheets, uh, but I fancy us this time. Um, so I'm going to go for a 2-0 for a win. Uh, with Adam Armstrong, uh, definitely coming up with one goal and uh, a goal from somewhere else, maybe a substitute, 
but uh, who knows? Uh, but I'll go. I'll go for a 2-0 Southampton win. Okay, I'm fed up with talking about Southampton. Uh, I want to talk about Huddersfield again. So it's time for Connor's question. A few change, the things change, but also a lot of things are still the same. The question we put out to the listeners during the international break got a lot of feedback to this one. It's probably because um, there was two turgid England games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. Um, it, the question we asked was, which player do you think can make an impact between now and the January transfer window? Uh, yeah, Justin, I think I said before recording, but we've got a lot of games, but we all kind of been like, yep, sign some players, but what do we do between now and then? Um, so hopefully we're getting some positives here. Um, I'll, so I'll read the listener responses and I'll ask yourself. Um, Hudders222 uh, says, Ben Wiles needs to prove why so much money was spent on him. He has offered very little so far, so he can only improve. Um, wanted to ask you, Justin, actually, um, sorry, just breaking off, Ben Wiles had a lot of potential. We've not really seen it at Rotherham. Um, did you, um, of what he was doing at Rotherham, what do you think of him as a player? I know he's not really hit the heights, but he was obviously talked with Burnley before and stuff. Um, mm. Do you do you rate him as a player? Yeah, I remember messaging you, didn't I, when that transfer went through. I was quite excited by it and I was surprised by it because um, I was expecting a larger queue of clubs to come in for him. I think that injury last season has probably impacted him more than people might think and he's taken his time to get back into it. But at the same time, he's coming to a team who are relatively low on confidence. There's been a change in manager as well um, and probably a change in demands from from Darren Moore to what Neil Warnock wanted. Um, so I don't think that's going to help. So there, there are those variables, but sure, he's, he's not really impressed, but there, are, there is potential there. He's, he's, he's just your arch, you know, type of box-to-box midfielder. Um, sometimes the work that they do doesn't go noticed very often. The runs they make off the ball to create space for other people. Um, the the ability to get in around the box, the defensive, you know, putting in a defensive shift as well. So there's those elements that sort of go unnoticed. So yeah, I think once the team starts to improve, I think Ben Miles improves because as I say, box and box midfielders tend to go with the flow in terms of team form because they don't pick up the ball and spark a team into life because it's not really their role or they might not have the quality to do it. But yeah, a lot of money was spent on him, not got to the heights that he needs to, but don't rule him out just yet. I think the team's underperforming quite considerably, not just Ben Miles. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. And to be fair, it, it's from the reading in between the lines, it sounds like you've been carrying an injury anyway. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, I rem- yeah, thank you. I, I forgot you messaged me about it. That did make <laughs> me very excited. And uh, I remember his interview, actually, because he said um, a lot of them are quite polished and he was just like, yeah, I've always wanted to play under Neil Warnock and then Neil Warnock went two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just fill them in a nutshell. Um, what else did we get? So, candid fantasy football, they say uh, it has to be Brahima Diara for me. He looks pretty raw in the final third, but he can dribble and control the ball unlike almost anyone else in the team. When he plays, offers some sort of ball retention and attacking threat to ease the pressure off the back line, give him more starts. Yeah, um, I don't disagree. He, he did go a bit anonymous at Leeds, but I feel like who didn't? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's fair enough. Um, Will Harris, he says, uh, Delano Bergsorg, he's got all the attributes. I just hope that more can coach him on when to release the ball. Um, and Will also says, then the return of our only championship level striker in Ward can only help. And yeah, Paul Gillespie says, a fit Danny Ward. We've missed his commitment, industry and finishing. Darren Moore needs him playing regularly with the same level of contribution and confidence that he displayed for Neil Warnock. Um, yeah, a couple of players in there. Um, yeah, Justin, I feel like I'm just asking you, Justin, what do you think of this? But... Um, <laughs> Delano Bergsorg, 
he's yeah, he's a bit of marmite player, I think, for, for the town fans. What do you think of him from what you've seen? I was intrigued by signing when he came in. I did give him a little praise sort of early on in the season because he was showing some you know, decent sparks of form. And when you don't have a lot of quality in the final third, those players who can provide it probably stand out a little bit more than maybe than what they are good at giving, if that makes sense. So what I'm saying is he's probably not a championship level striker just yet. And I think we're seeing that. Um, and because he's not surrounded by quality, his, his quality comes out a little bit more. Um, yeah, he's, he's, again, yeah, I think it's just down to Huddersfield not impressing either. And you, I think the the, um, the listener who mentioned that he, you know, his ability to release the ball, he still comes across as quite a raw player, which is quite a surprise, really, because um, he has played quite a few games so far in his career. Um, but uni plays to spark um, your team into life, and I think he's one of very few who can do that at this at this point, that's quite a damning indictment on where this squad is at at the moment, unfortunately. Yep, <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> I suppose I'll ask you then, who do you think is that player for this bill um, that can make an impact? Obviously, we've got people coming back. I know uh, Wardy was pitching in training. You know, Rodoni should be back uh, before January. Um, we've had people like Kasumu all sorts. Is, is there anyone that springs to mind for you who, who you think can make an impact for Huddersfield? Well, the Brahim Diara one was an interesting one because, again, he's, he's a, probably one of the very few players who can play with his back to an opposition player in that Huddersfield team. Um, it's a very industrial team. And, again, that's probably down to that lack of uh, continuation planning from, from like the likes of Lee Bromby and the previous board, mainly because the money's not been there to spend. Um, so, again, Diara is quite a raw player. And, and Sorba Thomas, I, I would I would die on the hill that Sorba Thomas has, has got the quality to... Um, succeed at this level it's just not happened for him over the last 12 months which is a which is a great shame because his, his quality at set pieces is fantastic and I think if you play him in the right position which is for me at wing back um, and do that consistently um, I think you will get the, the, the best out of him um, and I think Darren Moore has that ability to get across to the players and put an armour over their shoulder and say you know you are good enough to su- succeed at this level um, because he's, he's done that with the likes of Doncaster and, and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so I think I'm looking at Sorba Thomas. And again, if you're looking at creatively from a point of view, Danny Ward being in the team and Sorba Thomas providing crosses into the box, that's a much better proposition, I think, going forwards into January than maybe what is currently out there at the moment. I don't disagree. And I think um, something we have seen, and you know, they've, they've talked about this, and I suppose we don't really have the opportunity to mention it, but... I feel of all the managers who've who've managed Sorba, um, obviously Carlos got did you know did really good with him, but Sorba's doing a lot more off the off the ball and like becoming a real leader in the team, which I think like you touched on there, he's had a bit of a difficult twelve months at Blackburn and and at Town, um, and I think that's promising. But yeah, I, I have to agree with you and with the listeners. I think Danny Ward makes such a big difference. Um, Again, people are going to be like, "Oh, you're pro Danny Ward, blah blah blah." Like, I, he is our only Championship level striker, as uh, Will said earlier, and I think that's going to make a huge difference. He's not prolific, um, and I think I would argue it's a damning indictment that he's kind of had to be the main striker um, to get goals. Because apart from that Carlos Corbran season, he's never really been prolific in his career. But what he offers is is crucial to this team, and I think you've you touched on it there with some of the players we talked about. 
if that quality comes back in and they do need to add to that in January, but you will see a real lift. I think that's kind of the point where we're at. Like Rodoni's been very good this season. It's it's a shame to miss him, but I agree like with what you said about Ben Wiles. I just I feel like if they had that, um I always use it and people get annoyed. But we almost need that Pablo Hernandez type player. I mean what what team doesn't, but I feel like that makes Rodoni and Wiles immediately better. I think Bergzorg, if he has options, you know you're not relying on him to be the main focal point. And yeah, Wardy for me, he doesn't fix all that, but I think he, and that's no disrespect to Harrit and Hudlin, but you know, like you say, I think Harrit only had like two or three championship starts before this season. Hudlin hadn't started the championship game until Watford. Mm -hmm. So um, it does make a big difference, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think it's really hard to judge. (laughs) I'll throw an anecdote in being a Derby fan. Um, I go back to 2011, I think. They had no strikers. Sold Rob Pulse to QPR at the end of the summer window. Literally had no fit senior strikers. We signed Shefki Kuchi on loan for a month and we were unplayable. It wasn't prolific, but it's just having that focal point. Can get the best out of the other players around him. Um, and he all started to chip in with goals and assists and the team looked a lot better. Then he was recalled and he went to Newcastle for some bizarre reason. And Derby went on a 15-game winless run. It, it does it does make a difference having that focal point, having that senior striker in the final third because not only does it occupy defenders, but it also frees, frees your teammates up and it gives them gives them something to aim to, whether it be you know back to goal or crosses in the box. It gives opposition more to, more to think about. So whilst Danny Ward might not be prolific, he might him coming back into the team might get more out of the players around him, which Jack Rodoni coming back in, Sorba Thomas, blah blah blah. Between them, can score goals. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I feel like we've kind of got a positive in in between the uh, the chaos there. So um, <laughs> maybe it's time to take a break. Obviously, uh, we are sponsored as always by Magic Rock Brewing. Um, you can get ten percent off any online orders that you do by using the code AHTTT ten. Um, I will be at the tap room. Oh, no, I won't. I'm at a wedding, so unfortunately I will not be at the tap room. But uh, why don't you go down there? Most people do before the game anyway. Um, but, yeah, get your, get your 10% off with our code as well. Right, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about Huddersfield. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Cozzy, what's your favorite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Okay, so we have talked quite a bit about Huddersfield, Justin, but um, just going into this game, really, um, you talked about the low block. Is is that the best way for, for Huddersfield to get something out of this one? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's a really obvious shout and there's not too much to dissect from it. But if you're coming up against a possession-based team, they're going to have majority of the ball. If you've got fast players on the transition, you can you can hurt Southampton. Um, if you can be direct against them, you can hurt them as well because I don't think the likes of Bednarek and it's not Jack Stevens, um, Mason Holgate, whoever plays in an half, Taylor Harvard Bellis, they're not the most physical backline in the world. So you've got the opportunity there to, to ruffle a few feathers. You know, you've got to be proper industrial, proper Brexit, if you like, to, to I think, get a result against me. You know, Jordan Hugel scored that goal, didn't he? To, they, they drew the game, didn't they, a few weeks ago. Um, and he's your archetypal sort of number nine, isn't he, where he's going to ruffle feathers. So I think playing that low block and handling those transitions is certainly the best way because they're not a team that are going to take chances from the edge of the box. They're not going to shoot from, from you know, um, advanced area or not advanced areas from from distance because they like to get the ball to the byline cutbacks because it's it's the way to do it in possession based football. So if you play low block, you frustrate them, you you make it hard for them, and you hope for the best that they're not quite on it. I think is the best way. Mm-hmm. And what what are they like from set pieces? Because I think as you've you've seen like defending. Um, we were talking about this before we were recording, but Helix's our top scorer, um, and it you know it won't be because he's going up front all the time. It is from set pieces. Are they quite good at defending them, or is that an area of weakness? The first seven or eight games of the season, they were conceding quite a few chances. You peel peel from the back post, uh, peel round to the back post. They were conceding quite a few chances from set pieces that way. So certainly, I think if you've, I mean. Uh, You've got almost a perfect scenario there with Huddersfield in terms of Sorba Thomas whipping balls in, Michael Hellick, Mike Pearson in fit, Danny Ward with fit. There's opportunity there for a lot of variation from a set piece, depending on who your personnel is. Um, and as I say, Russell Martin, his sides do typically concede from set pieces, concede chances from set pieces, sometimes goals. Issue there is they recently brought in Colin Calderwood. Um, I think it was from uh, it was at Northampton. He's been promoted quite a few times. That's going to help them a lot in defensive scenarios. So I think from that perspective, you're hoping um, that he's not had enough time to work with the back line or they're going to have an off day or Sorbel Thomas is going to have a very good day on his delivery. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I feel like I'm really grilling you in this one about Southampton. You go, yeah, you might be lining up for a podcast move there. Um, <laughs> but I suppose in terms of in terms of threat then, um, you talked about our low block and let's be honest, you see injuries and, and the state of the squad I feel like that is the way that Huddersfield are going to have to do it, just sit out and hold. Um, do, do Southampton have the, have the perseverance? Like, what, what do Town need to look out for going forward from, from them? Well, I've, I've mentioned Adam Armstrong. He's he's sort of been playing in a wide right role, wide left role uh, under Russell Martin. Obviously, he's typically a, a you know, forward striker, um, and that's where you get the best out of him. Again, that um, that flexibility, that fluidity that they can play with. Um, Charlie Alcraz in midfield as well. He's a creative option. Um, they just they've got a lot of variation in their team. I think Stuart Armstrong scored for Scotland during the international break, a really good goal. So he's going to come in with with a lot of confidence. Um, 
there's a lot of forward runners as well in that in that team. I've mentioned Alcaraz and, and Armstrong, um, and and more Smallbone as well. Even he's picked up a couple of goals um, running from deep into into those cutbacks into midfield. So there's there's a lot of a lot of quality there. I think Ross Stewart coming back to full fitness as well was quite a scary thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've come out with a shout that he still has a chance for Golden Boot despite being. 10 or 11 goals behind Sammy Schmodix. I don't think that's wow. impossible. Um, and obviously, considering Huddersfield's current rate of conceding goals, sloppy goals, Ross Stewart might fancy his chances to get a couple. Um, that being said, low block might might alleviate that. So, yeah, they, they've got an abundance of quality. I mentioned the likes of Ross Stewart and all that. Um, but I think it's the runners from deep that are going to cause a lot of issues and it's whether or not that midfield but just feel it's going to be switched on enough to track them because they like to get the ball to the byline and like to cut it back and that's that's their way in. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit more widely about about Huddersfield really. Um, you know, from from the fan perspective, you know, again, it's another season of disappointment, maybe over promising, and that's not a criticism of the new ownership, but I suppose we've all been here before, and I think this is why you know certainly some town fans feel a bit fed up. In terms of the relegation battle, though, we are four points clear of that. And obviously, Rotherham, QPR and Sheffield Wednesday haven't really been... <laughs> well, they're, they're down there for a reason. Um, do you think Huddersfield could be okay this season? Just, again, I feel like this is something we've had a lot just because the other teams below them are quite, are quite bad. Mm, yeah, it's a difficult one to say. I mean, I would argue that Wednesday... Huddersfield and Rotherham have the worst squads in the division in terms of quality and depth. It's just quite quite blunt, but I think that's how it is at the moment. Um, Rotherham are obviously potentially going to be appointing a new manager. Liam Richardson's currently the favourite. Could be Neil Warnock. Who knows? Um, but I think their squad is well short and I don't think they're as well placed in January to to go out and recruit um, as as. Huddersfield might be, or even Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday, Chancer is going to be holding Wednesday back. I think they're down. I don't think there's any anything to need to worry about. I think QPR. I'm interested and intrigued by Marty Sifuentes. I think he can. He can. I, I'm, I'm more optimistic about him getting more out of that team than than Gareth Ainsworth did, for example, or even Neil Warnock, mm-hmm. mainly because he's got the ability to get the best out of technical players. I think it's that four way four way scrap, and I think it's going to be down to Huddersfield and QPR come the end of the season should should January not see too much improvement. So, um, But I do think Huddersfield are in the best position in January to go out and recruit than QPR are, then Rotherham, then Sheffield Wednesday. So I think if you're going to hold on to a positive, that's it. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I do agree with you. QPR, they have a, although they've not been as good in Ainsworth, they do have, you know, Chris Willow, Elias Chair, people who are, I'd say, yeah. walk into town's team. So, no, it's fair, fair enough. Um, I suppose we'll come back to this game then, Justin, and we'll ask for match predictions because uh, I feel like it's been, uh, you know, like kind of Frost Nixon, if you like, you in the hot, hot seat getting grilled. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what what do you think for this one? Um, you don't have to give us a, a score prediction that will, uh, you know, appease the listeners because, let's be honest, they're, they're already going to not like you because, uh, you know, you work for second tier. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, don't need to make friends here, do I? Um, I... I can't remember what I've put in my preview for the podcast for second tier now. I think I've gone with a Southampton win, so I'm going to stick to my guns. But I think from a Huddersfield perspective, it's going to be a better performance. It's going to be a more assured performance. It's going to be one that brings a little bit more optimism. It's going to be a late goal, Southampton, probably a 1-0 win for, for the Saints. 
Um, I say a late goal is gonna gonna push gonna push them over the line. I think it's gonna be an awkward one. Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, ultimately, like we were talking about the relegation battles as a whole, like Huddersfield won't be judged on these games really. I think if you looked at this at the start of the season, you yeah, not that you'd predict a loss, but yeah, it'd be the expectation. Mm-hmm. I think um <clears throat> Yeah, for me, I, maybe this is just hoping more than anything, but I think Darren Moore's best performance um, is, is probably that Ipswich game where we we came out at them and, um, yeah, just, um, I, I don't know, kind of caught them off guard, really. I think ultimately it was the bench for Ipswich that, that got them the draw, but we looked really good. And I wonder if we might see something similar. I know Southampton have a lot of qualities you touched on, but um, I do feel Darren Moore's kind of, seen that we can defend a little bit more. We saw that with Watford and like you say, if we do um, frustrate them, but I wonder if we come out and try and sucker punch them and maybe we get something out of this. So I'm I'm going for an optimistic uh, one-all draw um, with this. I, I just watch watch us lose 5-0 now, but um, I, I, don't know. <laughs> I just have a feeling. I have a feeling we might get something out of this because um, it's, I wouldn't say it's a free hit per se, but um, there's not a lot of expectation going into this one. So um, and we've had that. He's had more time on the on the grass, and they obviously talk about how important that is for any new manager. So, yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, so I'm going to go for one or. But I do think um, I think our chances will be will be a set piece. So I'll go for Matty Pearson uh, to to get the goal for us. So that is it. Um, but yeah, that I think that that does it for for this one. Uh, Justin, is there anything you'd like to say to the to listeners? I know I got a little dig in there about the second tier, but people do listen to you, uh, myself included. Uh, but is there anything you'd like to say to the to the town fans? Oh, yeah, I'm on the spot again. I think um, it's a case of keep the faith of Darren Moore. I rate Darren Moore very highly. Um, I think he's a great bloke. And um, I think given the right players and personnel, I think he can get a lot out of this team because I think the club's in a great position to kick on. It might not seem it, um, but Neil Warnock really did lead the club in a, in a solid in a solid place. It's just about copying, not copying those principles, replicating the principles and putting his own spin in it. I think it's going to take time. Um, just keep the faith. I think he's. I think he can get it right. Very well said. And yeah, I'll just say we'll be here to preview pretty much every game. So um, you can laugh, cry, celebrate with us, delete as appropriate, uh, and we will leave it there. So, Justin, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks to uh, our sponsors, Majorette Bruin, for this episode. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. We'll be back to preview the next game. To tar for now and up the town. So town play up. We'll bring the car back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget, share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.